0: Hello! Welcome to Studio Stories on Amherst Island Radio. I'm your host, Lynn Wyminga, and on this program I take you on a Canadian art tour, starting here on Amherst Island and going beyond. Every episode we visit a different studio and talk to artists and artisans about their work, their beginnings, and more. We'll update cjai.ca slash studio stories with images of or links to our guests' work and sites, so be sure to take a look. Hello and welcome to Studio Stories. I'm Lynn Wyminga and today I'm in the studio of Peter Large with Margaret Maloney as well and we will talk to both of them about their different art forms. Good morning Peter,
1: good morning Margaret. Morning Lynn. Margaret would you like to start by just telling us what you do? I have come rather recently to well it's within the last five or six years to photography. I mean I, I guess everybody takes photographs but I never sort of looked at them as in sort of in terms of art, although with being married to a painter I've you know, we've looked at art together for decades, but uh so I I'm, I'm used to looking with a critical eye and then suddenly I, I think we've been fortunate in our travels and it's uh, I began photographing what I saw you know in Africa and Nepal and then some wonderful person liked the pictures and furnished a, an office in Kingston with them and I was sort of overwhelmed and then I had the courage to put something into some of the juried shows the click show or the Arts and Letters Club and they were accepted and it's amazing what a little encouragement does so that's how I began.
0: Excellent and Peter uh, tell our listeners what you do if they are not familiar with their, your work
2: My work is drawing. There are drawings now. I have painted in watercolor and I'm a fairly good watercolor artist and I've done the usual conventional painting and acrylics and oils. My background is um, from a long time ago is engineering Uh, and I learned my engineering craft if you want to call it that at the drawing board and with uh, set squares and and so those are the tools that I use today and the Pigments if you want to call it the colors. Uh, I use are color pencil. So really I'm back to the drawing board
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> quite literally uh, using
2: those old tools and uh, And color pencils of which you can see there's probably a hundred there it roughly uh, r- Roughly scattered or, or sorted by by color and that's what I work on the other thing that I that I insist on and watercolor artists will, will know this as well and that is you have to have good quality paper. For my drawings I use a, a an Italian made paper called Fabriano. Fabriano 140 pound uh, natural. It's a beautiful paper to work on and you can m- make all kinds of mistakes and you can rub it out and the paper takes the takes it very well. Nice. So that's what I do.
0: And s- how did you get started from engineering to drawing?
2: This will be a quick encapsulation. After I graduated, I worked for a consulting engineering firm in downtown Toronto. In those days, you actually had an hour for lunch. And so I would go and walk about the city community. Our office was at Bloor and Jarvis, I think is what it was. I began to discover that there were art galleries around in that region, and there are still some today. And there was one particular one called Roberts, the Roberts Gallery, which is still there. and I walked by it and looked in the window and saw the most exquisite ink drawings I had ever seen. Keep in mind that was a long, long time ago but they're still exquisite drawings. And I went back to uh, to work in the afternoon and spoke to my seatmate who had his drawing board beside me told him about these wonderful ink drawings and I said, boy I would really love to be able to do that. He said, I teach drawing at the YMCA, why don't you join my class? And that is where I began. I'll tell you one anecdote about related to that. The uh, artist who did the ink drawings, and, uh, and I'll give you the date, it would be about roughly 1960, was an artist by the name of Alan Collier. I didn't know Alan Collier or anything about him but I just loved him. In the 1980s I joined the Arts and Letters Club and I met Alan Collier <laughs> and got to know him a little bit. He's now passed away that he would go on painting trips with his family every year. I found out a couple of things. First of all, he was a very shy person. And secondly, that his birth date was the same date as mine.
0: What good fortune to meet the person who inspired you to start all this.
2: I had uh, never expected that. That was entirely luck. Right.
0: So, Margaret, you mentioned that your work is, is, well, you, you guys travel, and
1: so your photography is often from your travels, yes? I'm just trying to think, when I started, maybe China was the first place I began to look at them more seriously and then we went to Africa and I got a different camera and uh, it's not a fancy camera because I like one that I can carry, even put in my purse or my bag or my pocket, but it's got Mm -hmm. a very good lens and we were fortunate, we were in Namibia and the animals were right there in front of us, it wasn't like being in a zoo or a, it wasn't really a safari, they were out. Right. Now, we were, we were in the Land Rover, we weren't, but the I can still remember the hyena looking right up at me, thinking, I wonder if it will jump, and, uh, but, you know, that, and then we were in Nepal just before the de- dreadful earthquake, and mm-hmm. um, I have uh, felt badly, sort of, when I look at the pictures, there were lovely children there in the main square, and it was totally destroyed within months, and... Uh, it's heartbreaking. Uh, we've we've been very fortunate, and then we were in India, and uh, and then in January we were in a, a sailing ship, uh, a five-masted, uh, uh, the Royal Clipper in the Caribbean. It wasn't about the islands; it was about the ship. And I, I was fortunate. I've got a wonderful picture of that. They we could go out in tenders and go round the ship because obviously lots of people wanted to take pictures, and you needed to get back far enough to do it. So, and. Uh, and we went to the the Canadian Arctic and um, that also was amazing. I we've been very fortunate in what we've what we've seen and that's
0: and so with your photography what do you sort of uh concentrate on subject matter wise? I
1: I don't really. It's and unlike a lot of photographers I don't take thousands of shots hoping one of them will be good. I tend to kind of wait until I think it's likely to be good and then you take several but not hundreds cuz I we certainly traveled with people who go through rolls of, uh, well, not rolls, the the chips, maybe you know, mm-hmm. two or three a day, and uh, mine would last for the whole trip. So I don't know. I'd I'd like to think it's because I'm discerning, not that I'm lazy. But uh, <laughs> but I've been very fortunate, you know. If you get one good picture, right. Um, and
0: so I guess what I'm getting at is when I when I look at Peter's work, I see the island all around. Yeah.
1: And when I've seen your photographs, they're usually from away. That's right. Is that well, right? I've, we've got such good photographers here, particularly Brian Little. I, don't, I wouldn't compete with him. I wouldn't get anywhere. So, uh, Mine have not really been of the island. And I know quite a few people are. There are a lot of photographers on the island.
0: And the subject matter is interesting, right? It's different, like that blue-footed booby. I love that. Poem. Yes, it's so great. <laughs> that was and that was in a
1: shaky zodiac. It's amazing. Yeah. I, you know, you think you're going to drop the camera in the in the ocean. Yeah. But so, I and I, and the people I've done, uh, I always ask permission, but yeah. particularly for the children. But uh, I have a I have one that's hanging in the living room of a little Indian girl who's learning to walk on a on a sort of tightrope on a wire, and she's so pleased with herself. She turns around at the end and she smiled at me.
0: Nice. So Peter, tell me about your inspiration. Um, Margaret is is more uh, photographing while away, and Peter, yours. I recognize your subject matter.
2: My inspiration, it has become really the island and elements of the island, particularly bird life. I've got a couple of drawings here of snowy owls, for example. Mm -hmm. Uh, and bobolinks and blue jays and hummingbirds, I've got, got them, they're all around me here. Rose-breasted grosbeaks. Yeah, I, that's right, I don't know there what, what happened to that one. You know, I have to, um, for birds specifically, I use photographs uh, as helpers because yeah, I, I can't sketch a bird that fast. Right. right? <laughs> but I find the island subject so interesting and uh, I mentioned to you that I'm preparing for an exhibition next year the subject will be really the island and Eastern Ontario, but for me, mainly island subjects. And I've begun asking people who have lived here a long time, like Keith Miller, for example, uh, Laurie Kilpatrick. And every time I talk to them, I tell them about the show. And the title of the show is Traces. It's intended to actually be a show... Not about history, but about traces which have been left by generations that came before us. Every time I talk to somebody who's actually an old islander, I learn something else. I found out, for example, that this drawing here, it's a church. Uh, It's dated 1873. Keith Miller was married there. So, apart from just being a building which needs a lot of repair, it actually has a history. And it goes back 150 years.
1: And which church is that? It's in the village. It's not a church anymore. It's no, a... it's yeah. right beside yeah.
2: Victoria Hall. And yeah. I'm going to be do- adding, doing a drawing of Victoria Hall, which you know everybody knows. Uh, but I found out, for example, that um, it used to be an orange, the Orange Hall. And before that, the Masonic. Right. So every time you peel back a layer, you learn more about what it used to be like. That's what our show and will those be about. And the
0: Traces traces
2: I think that many people often people ask me where do you get your inspiration from do you get this big flash of insights all of a sudden the answer is no I don't and I don't think artists do it's a thoughtful process it's not something that appears full-blown on the easel it is step-by-step and even with these pencils and I also use ink as well the drawing changes all the time I never know quite how it's going to turn out I might have an idea Another piece of farm machinery somewhere here. All the way along, I can show you the drawing. Uh, there are elements that I didn't think of at the, when I thought of the machinery. That now as I get closer to the finish, there's some things I've got to do that I hadn't thought of before. Right. right. And um, uh, in this case, I hadn't given much thought to the background. Like, right. what setting am I going to put this in? Right. Okay. There's another component to this. Uh, on the same subject uh, the bird drawings the bird drawing comes to life when you put the light in the eye
0: I know because I make birds and they're not alive until you put the little That's sparkle right. there
2: and I saved that moment until the very last thing is that what you do <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: the very last thing but I ran into an artist who actually does very highly detailed black and white and he puts the eye in first uh, I don't see how you can do that. I don't know exactly, because the, the if, even if I'm using a photo reference, you cannot um, photograph, you can't draw a photo. And so you don't know how it's going to come out until it comes out. Mm-hmm. And then you actually put in the the, uh, the eye, the light in the eye. So the idea that do you, where do you get your flash of um, inspiration, uh, it doesn't come in a flash.
0: And so, I so no. I but I see like the buildings that you draw and and do you do you go past say Nick's red barn and go that would make a really good drawing.
1: Well, you, we Nick's, all, Nick's red barn is hanging you,
2: in the provincial.
0: Picking, I know, I know. You know, is it is it? I see that okay. and
2: okay. The answer is yes, but I'll use this as an example. The creative process begins when I want. To to decide what to show of that right okay yeah this is not the whole barn. this is not the whole church yeah which is why I couldn't
0: recognize I was I couldn't place it right right it's not that color
2: so that the creativity you can see the idea yeah all right I actually had another look at Nick's red barn just the other day Mm -hmm. trying to decide whether it had aged enough for me to actually include it in the show and the answer is no it's just as
0: right Pretty good, shiny,
2: bright red, right? (laughs) So uh, I can't do much with that. But the issue is here: what part of the of that? What do you want to say? What story do you want to tell?
0: Yeah, and that and that comes in with the background and the foreground that I guess you put in later. Yes, exactly. So interesting. Yeah,
1: and with photography, I'm a really straight shooter. I don't know how to manipulate. So you kind of see what I see. Right. I, I don't photoshop anything. I don't know yeah. how to
2: do that, so... You actually referred to one of her images, the blue-footed booby. Well, we we're in, were in a... I'm just happy you remembered we, it. <laughs> we were in a zodiac and it was tossing around. Uh, we were very up close and uh, Margaret saw the, a, the birds there and secondly got that incident when the boat was at a particular yeah. moment. Right. Instant. She got it.
0: I always love to pe- ask people about their tools of choice. Peter, is there a, something in particular, some tools that you have to use? Uh, uh, we, we talked about the paper already. Yeah. Okay. Any pens?
2: Uh, I... I, uh, the pens that I... All of my work has ink in it. The ink that I use are my, uh, MicroPoint pens. And I, I buy them by the box. There's a whole stack of them over there. Right. Not just one, but like 50 at a time. Yeah. So that's a, an essential tool. For a long time, I did illustrations for, for the island newspaper. Right. The Beacon. The Beacon. And they were all in black and white. Mm-hmm. And so I began drawing in black and white years ago here. But it's from that that's... Early start that I began to see more of the island and try to express it in simple ways, very simple ways. Uh, my color pencils they bring things to life.
0: Is there a particular brand that you use that you have? to... Uh, yeah,
2: pencils. I use two brands: the Derwent, ma- br- British made, or a German made Faber Castell. That's right. what it is. I started uh, when I start first began using color pencils, I used the the Derwin Studio grade. They're quite hard, quite a hard pencil, maybe you know that, you have to push on it and you get tired of that. So I discovered, maybe I bought a, for a, for a set of the uh, next one down, the artist quality Derwin. And then I, after when I began to need um, uh, replacements, they, they were out, I couldn't find them in Canada, so we bought them in England. Margaret talked to us about our travels. Mm-hmm. Well, one of our travels was a lot to England, and uh, I found uh, a... a
1: son living there. We didn't just go for our pencils. (laughs) (laughs) I found an art
2: supply house there where I could buy and bought hundreds of replacement pencils for Derwent. And they're softer, the artist quality. But then I discovered that you can get Faber-Castell here, which is slightly softer, again, a beautiful pencil. And then I discovered that Derwent actually makes something they call soft, which is... Uh, color soft. I'll show you that. So that gives me a range of um, colors, firmness, if you like, to work with. So that when I get down to doing details, for example, like leaves of grass, I I will tend to use the the studio quality because they're quite hard. The background will be just scumbled softer.
0: Now, quick word from our sponsor. Studio Stories is brought to you by Lynn's Lids, handmade hats and fiber art. Lynn's Lids knits and felts durable, windproof and waterproof merino wool hats for women and men. Custom orders are welcome so you can choose your color and your style in your size. Find us online at linslids.com, that's L-Y-N-N-S-L-I-D-S, on social media at, at @lynnslids, and the studio on Amherst Island is open by appointment. Drop an email to linslids at gmail.com or call or text 343-989-1550. Now, back to our program. If you're just joining us, this is Studio Stories on Amherst Island Radio. I'm your host, Lynn Wyminga, and for this episode, I'm speaking with Amherst Island artist Peter Large and photographer Margaret Maloney. So, uh, so now I'll ask Margaret uh, about the tools that she uses.
1: What, uh, what type of camera do you use? It's a small Sony, uh, with a but it has a Zeiss lens and it's a 30 zoom, and uh, it's lightweight. It's small, and uh, it works. Here's one that I like
0: to ask people: What's the most challenging part of your photography?
1: As I said, I think because I came to it later. I've looked at art all my life and I've kind of, I guess if you look you automatically see a sort of a frame and I don't really find it so challenging, which is and maybe I should start walking around the island with my camera and see if I see anything different than all these other good uh, island photographers. I certainly think Brian Little is excellent and has a great eye and I don't want to compete with him because I know where I'd end up but I shouldn't say I don't, I don't think of it as a challenge I guess. Um, and actually the really awful part is when I take photographs on a trip I don't look at them and edit them every night like most people do, I kind of wait till I go home and mm-hmm. hope that some of them are good. Now I'm quite good at picking out, I, I know what isn't, I've, I've been a, an editor in terms of words for most of my life as well so I can, I can see what's good and what isn't and I don't have any trouble deciding. Which helps, which is why I guess I don't need, you know, 500 a day as opposed to 50 uh, to choose from. So um,
0: so the ruthlessness as an editor has come in handy in the It's there, <laughs> it's there. I think it's inbred.
1: <laughs> so um, that helps.
0: Excellent. And Peter, what what's the most challenging part of your
2: work? Um, the most challenging part, and this is a, a message to all visual artists. Learn to draw. Drawing is crucial, absolutely essential. The photographs are really support material. That's all they are.
0: Photographs
2: that you use here. Yeah, I use them. They're, they're just like having a sketchbook at your hand.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Drawing it, drawing the thing, composing. Compo- drawing and composition uh, are essential I'll use the word skills, but it's more than that. That the visual artist um, has to acquire, learn to do, keep working at it. It's um, it's, it's always something which is ephemeral. It keeps escaping from you. My own composition, which like nobody thinks about, an image as being composed, but um, they are composed
0: why wouldn't people think they would be composed i well, think
2: they do do you think so oh, yeah i think they oh, have yeah. to be okay. unless
0: you're a total abstract artist right. and, you know yeah. even that's composed but,
2: but so i come back to what's what's crucial about the work that i do and uh, and that is drawing drawing is not something that uh, you can pick up in a book or anything like that i have hundreds of sketchbooks here ones that i've, I've that go back uh, right almost from the beginning that I began doing this. And uh, um, you go back and look at them and you say, how could I have done that? I, I actually, occasionally when I do, and I don't do this this often, got a surprise. Um, I was looking through an old sketchbook and discovered a drawing of a lobster. Uh, I can't remember where it was done, I don't know under what circumstances, but it was the drawing is so good, and this was done years and years ago, uh, that there would be nothing else I would change about it, except this lobster.
1: Don't think I saw that. <laughs>
2: uh, in, uh, in ordinary lead pencil. Um, but it didn't fall there by chance. It, it, it's the result of hours and l- a long time of work. I was fortunate uh, to take a course in drawing at, at OCA. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and the teacher that I had was well known as a teacher of drawing. Uh, His name was Hugh Mackenzie. He shows at the Boshi Gallery, I think, uh, in Toronto, right across the street from the Art Gallery. I I still remember some of the things that, that, that he said. The artist's best tool is the wastebasket. Try to draw what the subject is doing, not what it looks like. Right. What the subject is doing. So the birds are hopefully reflecting that, that piece of advice. It's about to take off, They're about to. The, uh, the crow drawing is, is a bird which is in st- motion, st- still motion. It's about to do something. I don't know what it is that's going to do it. As a result of, the, of, of finally coming to terms with that fundamental, I've actually stopped drawing flowers. I did a lot of good Florida drawings, mm-hmm. lots uh,
1: of island lilies.
2: Almost nobody paid any attention to it. I love drawing them.
1: Right. Okay. Sure, they did. Every yeah. house has one. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but you you have to really work to get a lily to do something.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. What, uh, great, what a great piece of advice.
1: I have a little sort of sidebar to this that Peter may not remember. Um, between us, we have six sons, but we only have one daughter. And uh, she teaches art, she's actually an RCA, and she's at the Nova Scotia College of Art and Design. And one of the courses she has taught over the years is how to fake drawing. And she said it's always fully subscribed. and Because uh, she says she doesn't draw, but she she doesn't do graphic stuff. She does sculpture, uh, you know, bronze and, right. and uh, things. But uh, obviously you have to have a concept of what you're going to sculpt. So, but she, she said that the how to fake drawing class was
2: okay. always full. Uh, I always get, my, my, when she tells, uses that, that, those words, hackles, uh, <laughs> rise, hackles rise on my back of my <laughs> neck. Um, actually, Sarah, that's who we're talking about, uh, as a sculptor works in wax uh, and she does uh, models in wax of what she intends to finally express in bronze. It's
1: three-dimensional drawing. That's right, right.
2: and so I have to say that uh, she has some notion of drawing.
1: Right.
0: (laughs) 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 Okay, so the counter to that question is what's the most fun part of your work?
1: For me, it's finally looking at all those photographs I've taken and not looked at. Right. Except on the little, small screen. Yeah, and then deciding which is the best, and usually it's obvious. Uh,
2: I don't think of this as fun, uh, but it's the most engaging, I suppose. Okay. Is the process right from the very beginning, like there's no. Yeah.
0: So it's the challenge and the engagement,
1: uh, rather than the finished.
2: Yeah, picture. The, the finished picture takes a long time, yeah. so there's no burst of fun right at the end. There, okay. There's none of that. Right, right. It. <laughs> <laughs> it um, it takes me a long time to finish that and then I will have the um, the drawing uh, on the easel here for quite a while and come in kind of just suddenly to see if there's something that strikes me and there are tiny little moments in and I'm using the church again as an example that I added very late this area here was a blank white and so I decided just to kind of Trail a lead pencil through here to give a, an impression of tree branches. So, um, what's the most fun? I don't know. Finishing this thing. I don't know. That's not right either. That's I, not right. I, I don't even know uh, how to answer you. <laughs> it's a longer process, of course. It is. Than, uh, yeah. Yeah. For
0: so for Susan, she was. She said, "It's the composition is the most fun, and the challenge is finishing it. Like the the." the I've got it composed I know what I'm gonna make It's getting there the, getting to the yeah. end mm-hmm. is
2: yeah yeah, yeah. I could I can understand that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh this is a question that I wanted to ask you because you work every day yeah are there do you have a routine to your work I mean, the only
2: routine is to actually walk across the lawn and and get, and get in here
1: get out there and get and working
2: to get working and yeah. People
1: say why isn't there a phone in the studio and I
2: said cuz he doesn't want one. I don't want right. one here. I don't use a computer in here. This is just music. A, that's about it. Is. Yeah, I actually have the have the CGRT radio on all the time. That's about all. When it was actually the reason that we're here is because Margaret went out looking at houses with Janet Grace when Janet was just getting her license, her mm-hmm. real estate license. This was in 2000. Well, it was only because
1: we were staying there for the tall ships. And Margaret said,
2: nice. nobody should actually work on. Margaret and Janet said, well, I have two houses I have to look at. And I'll Margaret said, nobody should actually work on Canada Day. I'll join you just to keep you company. And Margaret came back and to me, and I didn't go on this trip, um, and said, um, uh, there's one house you should really see. It has a studio, right?
1: Well, it didn't. It had a spa. It had a hot tub the over the, in that corner. This was and an
2: exercise room and a was hot all tub, insulated. Yeah, but it in had fact, you can see how well fi- yeah. how well finished it is compared to. I won't even show you the garage. One of the things that uh, I I have a weakness for is art supplies. I buy paper all the time, um, and. And as you can see, pencils and, and pencils, you know, just uh, something new I might look at. And I discovered because we lived at Hay Bay for ten years, and I, I, I was, I, we had a studio area, but all of my paper was kind of under the bed or behind the sofa or right. something like this. So I had um, a very good craftsman build, uh, build me this storage cabinet here. Oh right,
0: yeah.
2: Okay, it is so, so big. Was it ten Ted Wimp actually did it. I don't know whether Ted is still living. Uh, But it was with uh, Brian Grace's advice that I actually asked Ted if he would do it. So we talked about the design and uh, the fact that each drawer has got to be on very robust hardware because there's Mm -hmm. a lot of weight in there. The other thing that is there is that I won't be able to take it with me if we ever leave because it's so big I can't get it out of the studio. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the two drawers, I don't know, two, uh, three and four are my paper supplies, they mm-hmm. look, look a bit skimpy, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's other stuff. Uh, you know, I went to uh, the opening, I think Margaret was there too. Uh, at at the um, Arts and Letters Club. The opening uh, of a show by a very distinguished woman by the name of Pat Fairhead. She's a watercolor artist. She was invited to have an exhibition of her o- homework uh, at the club. And were you there
1: that night Do we went? Yeah, I think it was, at, was it her 90th birthday. It's her 90th birthday,
2: wow. okay. And um she didn't look it she uh, is kind of a feisty person hard works works every day she lives in Bracebridge area her study is up there Bella. If there is a show like that and you're the the subject you know there's dinner and then there's a audience of members who come to see the show opening and um, and the artist in turn has got to say a few words about their own work or their life or whatever and uh, so she talked a bit about um her work, and her painting, and uh, so rather scattered. She, she was at, She's been around long enough. She actually, one of her teachers was a member of the group of seven. And Arthur Lismore, I think it was. Anyway, in passing, without any qualification or any explanation, she said, and she has two thousand works in inventory. Now, in order to have two thousand works that you keep, I can't. How many? Even, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's right
2: started earlier than I did.
0: <laughs> right, so that was another question that I had. So you were a en- civil engineer yeah. for years and at what point did, like was it a retirement
1: thing that you went, okay I'm done with engineering and yeah. now I'll no, I go full time at
2: this. I carried this through through almost from the beginning. He had
1: a gallery, several galleries while he was working but not much time to paint I guess. Yeah. And, Hey and the Arts and the Letters
2: Club has been helpful to me because it gave me a place to actually exhibit work and uh, exhibit it in the company of very highly qualified other artists.
0: So you were a member there before you, uh, like while you were the engineering? 19, yes. 1980. Yeah. So my, I, I always like to let people know, is there anywhere that people can go online or in person to look at either of your work?
2: If you want to see our work, come here. We do
0: not seem to have a commercial bent. You've got your work at the Weasel and Easel. You get you do some shows at the Arts and Letters Club and yeah. various places. That's right. Yeah. So uh, your work is gets out there.
2: It, it is, certainly it, does. Well, I'll, I'll tell you the the most recent one. I suppose uh, I don't know whether you saw the drawing of our, of the turtle the the uh,
0: Blanding's the Blanding yep. turtle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Was Brian this, was saying last science. summer?
2: Yeah. Last year, about now, I think it was last June, we were invited to come and exhibit you in, were in Belleville um, in an outdoor, and uh, they, they had a day of sort of art and music and food, and a few artists were, were invited to come and show that day. So uh, they asked me and I brought a lot of work, um, including uh, the original of the Blanding's turtle.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I won Best of Show that day, <coughs> and then somebody came and then along somebody bought the who painting. lived in Belleville and bought, it, bought the original. This is fine. Person. You can't hang on to stuff. That's the other thing. You can't hang on to things. I've got a print or two of a, of, a, of the turtle here somewhere still. You've got to keep moving on.
0: Here's a question for you, because there going to be a studio
1: tour. Yeah. But you see, there's going to be a house tour in September, so I don't think yeah. there'll be a... It, um, there might be some what's, art what's in conjunction house with that, at the end of September, I think?
2: There are about 10 houses which are being are open to the public on the island. So and the, and the art
1: may be a corollary to that, but there won't be a separate art.
2: We're open for business, though, and people... So if see.
1: people want to
0: come here and see your work, do come they give you a call?
2: Give me a call. Give us a call. It's
1: better to make sure there's somebody here, Yeah, give us a can't call see it.
2: And, uh, we're, we're probably here most of the summer of this year, but give us a call, and um, we like having people come.
0: Thanks so much for having me today, guys. Thanks for joining us after an extra-long Studio Stories break. Be sure to join us next time when we have two mini-interviews with young Kingston artisans, Sarah Hamlin of Caboose Co. and Ronnie Lloyd of Sable Dog Paddles.